0: to this week's Dairy Dialogue podcast for October the 19th, just before the big Cial event in Paris. Hopefully next week's show will include some features from there. If you're listening to this and you'll be attending and want to be featured on the podcast, please visit our website and drop us an email. I suppose a lot depends on how noisy it is. The last trade event I went to in Paris, it seemed every other booth either had a loud hailer or a microphone, which was kind of difficult to compete with. That and the fact that it was open to the public and it was snowing and freezing cold and that meant the entire population of Paris was there, I think, because it was warm and there were also lots of freebies. Speaking of free, so is this podcast, which is available on the Dairy Reporter website and also on iTunes. And speaking of noise, there's a tractor going by the window as we speak, and hopefully that's not being heard in the background. I'm Jim Cornall, editor of Dairy Reporter, the online daily global news site dedicated to the dairy industry, and on the programme this week we're talking UK farm sustainability with of Foods UK, the colour of cheese with Lyco Red, and the new dairy concept ingredients with Epi Ingredients in France. And we'll get our weekly update on the markets from INTL FC Stone. First on the show this week is a new strategy launched by Arla Foods UK it's Arla 360 program it's already got the buy-in of discount supermarket chain Aldi and here to tell us more about it is Graham Wilkinson head of agriculture at Arla Foods UK and strategic lead for the Arla 360 program
1: the concept's been in sort of the planning stage for probably nearly a year now so we actually started with a pilot group in January and uh, that was a sort of 79 farmers but Uh, In advance of that, uh, we got sign-off from, because obviously Arlo is a a democratic farmer-owned cooperative, so we got approval by the board to be able to look at this uh, opportunity in the UK. Then the pilot group commenced in January, and we we get to where we are now, where we've actually got to a place where we're we're launching the standards to the industry. It's been in development stage for about a year, six to nine months of that, has been working with the pilot group of farmers.
0: Is it something that's been done in other countries that Arlo is operative in?
1: So we have our um, ala Garden standards that all Ala farmers need to meet, but this is you know, very much the development of this is uh, specific to the UK. Okay, and,
0: and what does the, the programme
1: itself involve? A, a couple of key things for us is that we, we did a lot of uh, quite extensive consumer research into this area as to actually try to understand what matters to, to consumers. What we then did is then sort of broke the programme down into six core elements, as to where we believe the essential areas to building a profitable and responsible dairy business. So those six areas are animal health and welfare. Uh, we've introduced a, a people element to it, which as far as using some of the learnings from our business uh, and incorporating them into farming businesses. Environment and natural resources is the third area. We've got the fourth element on the community engagement, so the farmers as part of this programme being seen as a force for good within the local communities that they operate in. Economic resilience and reinvestment is the fifth area to this. We've got programs in place for that to improve individual farmer resilience. Uh, And then finally, sort of a research and development area, which basically looks at some of the key areas where ultimately this group will look to lead the dairy agenda in support of our customers.
0: It's not just the farmer level, it's also at the consumer level and the supermarket level, yes. the retail level.
1: Absolutely, and the success of the program, you know the support of uh, the retail customers and food service customers coming on board with this. We're very pleased that Aldi are our first customer to be part of the program and I think you know what we shouldn't underestimate is the great work that many of the retail customers have actually done over the last sort of 10 uh, even longer uh, years in this area on the programs that they've developed.
0: Right and of course I would imagine that there's also a consumer aspect to this how do you communicate the benefits Mm. of the program to the consumer?
1: Yeah, I think that's really really important, and I think that's an area that, as an industry, we could probably challenge ourselves. because we've done a lot more work in this area over the years? So certainly around the community aspect, actually working within uh, the community and how you're actually uh, farmers within this program actually portraying you know the positive sides of the dairy sector and dairy farming, and actually also I think you know there's a recognition that there are some misconceptions out there as well. So how communicating. You know the realities uh, on farm as well,
0: and I think currently it's also very important for consumers that there is traceability and sustainability in all of their products.
1: Yeah, I think we've got a a strong track record as ALA in this area. I think your plastics is a big concern consumers I think we're already you know in 2017 80% uh, of the materials were recyclable and we've got an ambition working towards 100% within our packaging. Our, as a business since 2005 uh, has grown by 50% uh, yet we've actually reduced our total greenhouse emissions by 16% and we've obviously got other targets around food waste, waste to landfill, and recyclable packaging. So we've got very strong credentials from an environmental perspective as a business, not just the work that we're also doing with our farmers.
0: And and are all of the farmers in the cooperative in the UK participating in the 360, or is it just ones that choose to?
1: No, so this is dependent on on, uh, customer support. So um, as and when we get more customers on board with the programme, then more farmers will be uh, invited to become part of it.
0: So obviously you're working with more of your customers to get them on board.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know, this week is very much the start of this. You know, we've had initial conversations and discussions, and I think you know not just retail customers, but food service. There's opportunities there as well. I sure. think as well for the from the farmers involved. You know, while there is a premium involved to be part of the program, there are other benefits as part of being involved. So was giving farmers the tools and resources to develop you know, their own businesses uh, as part of this program and you know, being part of a network of like-minded farmers as part of this group as well. So there are other advantages to the farmers involved in being part of this.
0: Definitely. And I suppose it also it does help to already have somebody on board to, to get the ball rolling, I guess.
1: Definitely. Absolutely. And I think you know, that's why we're you know, extremely pleased that you know, Aldi have, have joined us to kick this off.
0: What are the next steps? Obviously, you said that this is just the the launch, but how do you keep the momentum going? Yes, I think
1: um, the area around the research and development, I think that's an area where we're wanting to face into some of the challenges that we know that the industry faces. So if you were to take plastics, actually plastics used on the farm not, not being seen as a waste, but actually being seen as a valuable resource. So using research and development to see how we can close the loop on you know, plastics used on farm, I think the research and development is definitely an exciting area for us. The 360, it's an all-encompassing program, as you, as you said at the very start, you know, encompasses you know, a number of the key areas uh, that we believe are absolutely essential to building a profitable and responsible dairy farming business. Now, when you buy cheese,
0: are you influenced by its color? Do you consider a darker colour means a more mature product, or does it mean it's got too much colouring in it? The science of cheese colouring and the strategy also has an analytical side to it. Christiana Lippert is head of marketing food at LycoRed, a company that produces natural colouring for a variety of food products. The company has just renamed all of its colours, and we'll hear why, and we'll also discover what the company's research on colouring in cheese has found.
2: Actually, I'd like a way we carried out some consumer research to better understand whether colour was important uh, as a driver of choice for consumers in cheese. And we carried out this research in the UK and the US particularly, where we see that cheese is coloured uh, primarily in, in products like cheddar, Leicester, red Lester, et etc. The similar hard cheeses. And what we discovered from researching among 500 consumers in the UK and 500 consumers in the US is that colour is actually important. We asked them the direct question, and over 40% of consumers in the UK consider cheese with coloured, the colour in cheese to be either very or extremely important. And even more so in the US, we found 52% of respondents said that colour is either very or extremely important in cheese. What we found interesting was Uh, it became more apparent that cheese has a particular perception on taste. Uh, The U.S. consumers in particular said that almost 68% of them said that color affects how much they like the taste of cheese. The number in the U.K. was more around 57% of consumers who said that the color usually affects how much they like the taste of cheese. What's also interesting is that consumers also do expect hard cheese to have a certain level of color. In the US, the typical percentage was 65% of respondents, while in the UK, it was around 59%. In the US also, they felt that the stronger or deeper the color of the cheese, the stronger the flavor intensity of the cheese. So from there alone, we can see that there is definitely an impact in terms of the choices consumers make. We also carried out questions to understand uh, what were the shades in particular that they liked? And um, we noticed within the U.S. market, consumers tended to veer towards a darker orange shade color, whereas in the U.K. they tended to veer towards a slightly more yellow shade um, for cheddar-type cheeses. So that was interesting um, to find out. We also asked them to look at, for example, what words would they associate um, with different colored cheeses? We showed photographs of a number of different cheeses typical colours, typical orange to yellow shades for both the UK and US consumers. And we found that for the darker shaded cheeses, they associated words like mature, expensive, premium, sharp, things like bitter, nutty and vintage um, in association with those products. In the US, the sharpness of the cheese was a particular association with the darker colour. For the lighter coloured cheeses, they were expected to be more mild um, and poss- possibly more moist in texture and possibly more sweet. So that in itself also can help for companies who are trying to um, position their products as maybe particularly strong or intense in taste. We also ask questions like whether they expected the cheese color to darken with time or not. And again, particularly in the U.S., the majority, 62% of respondents, thinks that cheddar-type cheeses should darken when it ages and 53% in the UK market. The usage of cheese is pretty similar in both markets, so when we ask the question of how they most use things like cheddar products, 86% of UK consumers use cheese in burgers and sandwiches, while 77% in the US do. The most popular application below that for the UK consumers was toasted bread, and in the US was for cheese for snacking uh, by itself.
0: These days, we, we're looking more at natural and healthy and often colouring is associated not necessarily with cheese, but sometimes colour is associated with a product being not natural and being more
2: artificial. Does that reflect in cheese at all? It can in some markets. Um, a, lo- a lot of the most the most globally used colour in cheese is actually a product called annatto, which can be natural and uh, it can depend on the process used. There can be um, some negative effects associated with that in that it can, can in some forms, have allergens. So EFSA, for example, has been looking into the fact that they may have allergens and some consumers have complained of allergen uh, reactions due to that. But naturality is definitely a growing factor in all categories. The research we've carried out, not only in cheese, but in areas like UHT-flavored milks, confectionery products, Is that consumers would prefer to go down the natural route particularly if it's products they feature their children they prefer the idea of something that is coming from nature and that will be better and safer for them so that is something we see as a general trend
0: people are accepting
2: but they are
0: also expecting clean label product
2: Uh, i think in most cases definitely yes i think consumers don't even assume cheese is added to Sorry, colour is added to cheese. Actually, um, it's seen as quite an, an, a natural category. I think the industry itself also is looking for clean label. However, so because of some uh, initiatives EFSA have been making at looking at some of the typical colourants used in cheese, they have raised issues with the potential allergens of some of the typical colourings, like annatto, for example. Um, from that perspective, manufacturers actually look to be quite stringent in what they include in their products to avoid the inclusion of allergens. And also from a revenue stream perspective, many manufacturers will sell the whey that is used uh, in the production of cheese, and they will often want to avoid the inclusion of other ingredients that might have allergen in that, depending on where that whey gets sold onto. So for example, it can be used in areas like infant formula, which needs to be extremely uh, vigilant in terms of the cleanliness and clean label aspect of that original ingredient as well. What colors do you produce at your company for for cheeses? Um, The main color that would be most appropriate for cheese that we provide is beta carotene. And that comes from our own vertically integrated source. It's uh, pigment is beta carotene. We have products called Orange Ovation and Gold Hold, which are highly stable uh, formulations based on beta carotene. um, So they can provide yellow. To gold to orange shades depending on the color it, um, desired we do also sell lycopene from tomatoes which is more of a red shade but it wouldn't be a typical color used in cheese but of course it can be if necessary for sure beta-carotene is a good alternative because it actually naturally occurs in cow's milk particularly grass-fed cow's milk so it would be a very natural association to have beta-carotene within the cheese product because it is naturally present in the original raw material anyway. Um, In fact, higher quantities where it's pasture grass fed cows um, that produce the milk. We have carried out a number of stability tests to carry out to test how our our colors work in varieties of cheese. So we've carried out stability studies in uh, cheddar type cheeses and also in gouda type uh, cheeses, looking at different shades and looking at different production processes. And we found that our colors are very stable in both of those types. Depending on the process that a customer may be looking at, we may need to carry out an additional stability trial with them or make a different suggestion depending on what their requirement is or what shade they'd like to achieve. But we can can create very typical, the typical shades that are out there using the colour shades we have available. And we have tested a number of them already going through a full uh, stability test and shelf life testing. So we carry out analysis to look at the colour intensity over time, We've carried out photographic observation, so we can actually monitor how the products are over maybe up to 11 weeks in varied conditions, such as vacuum packing or not in the dark, under lighting conditions, etc. So our results show that the vacuum packing is definitely helpful in the retention of colour, but also that our colours are stable and perform in exactly a similar way to typical other colours used out there in the market. Consistency throughout the product is important too. Exactly, exactly. Just showing that it doesn't fade too much over time or even darken too much over time, that it it, it retains the authentic look that it has from the very beginning of its life on the shelf. Um, and again, no migration to different areas. The products that
0: you create just underwent some name changes. What was the uh, rationale behind that? was
2: uh, a good question. Actually, the main the main thought process with that was that we wanted to look at how our our audience, our customers, our potential customers would be searching for a color. And we realize that the main way in which a, a customer or a prospect would be searching for a solution for the product is based on the shade that they're looking for. So rather than the source, our, our original names were things like Tomato Red or Lyco Beta. And those names are based on the source of the pigment. But actually, when someone is looking for a solution for their problem, they're looking for the color they're trying to achieve, not the shade they're trying to achieve, the color, rather than the original source of that pigment. So we decided to take a more outside in perspective on the naming approach that we had and to also make it clearer what the distinction between the products within each family were. So where the shades are quite different that it makes it easier to choose a product that is more relevant um, to the customer. In terms of feedback from the market, we actually have had very positive feedback from a number of customers we've presented them to so far because it is more meaningful for them to understand kind of color direction, the color shade that the product uh, would provide to them. The biggest challenges for them are money for ourselves and for for our customers is the paperwork changing, making all the changes to go through where they are using maybe more than one product. But this is coming, it's coming through quite seamlessly at the moment.
0: Yeah. I suppose in in a way it's a bit like those colour swatches that you can get. It may, it makes more sense to just be able to visually and lingu- linguistically see what you're you're getting rather than sort of going back to what the components are.
2: Exactly, and in in our names, not only were we focusing on the shade, we were also focusing on some of the key functions that we felt they provided. So consistency, um, stability, being steadfast in, 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 in the shade itself. We have created some names that are maybe less obvious, like orange ovation, which refers to ovation meaning and clause, or the idea that it's a start performer. it works really well in what it's supposed to do. Or stellar yellow, for example, it relates to Quality of star, star quality, um, so relating to the stars. So we have other product names which relate again to the shade of the red, like constant crimson, um, resolute ruby, um, resilient red. So these are all shades that again, the shade in itself might be slightly different, but also the functional aspect of consistency, stability also comes through as our our range is particularly um, a super stable uh, color range from a natural source. Um, of course, they're also all, all non GMO certified, kosher, halal, vegan because they do come from uh, plant sources. Epi Ingredients is a
0: subsidiary of French dairy company Laita. And it's going to be busy in the next little while showcasing its products at Gulf Food Manufacturing from November the 6th to the 8th in Dubai and Health Ingredients Europe from November the 27th to the 29th in Frankfurt, Germany. One of the concepts it will be introducing to potential customers is called So Benefique. And marketing manager of the company, Mathieu Lucot, can tell us more about this and its other products. So what, what will you be showcasing at those two events?
3: In those two events, uh, you know, we, we, we did a launch uh, for a, a new product uh, in September. Uh, it's uh, milk protein concentrate, 60%, but with a very specific um, process, ultra-filtration, very cold temperature, so it keeps uh, all the, the, the good properties of, of the protein. And to show that, since uh, last, last year, I, I, uh, I developed a marketing concept, showcase the ingredients in a finished product. So last year we we spoke about Soflexi it was a a concept of mixed powder you can use to make a milkshake acid dairy drink or ice cream if you have an ice cream machine. So you have the same mix of powder and uh, you can use for different uh, uses uh, in finished products So to showcase one of our star ingredients is low fat yogurt powder I developed last year this concept. It was a 40-gram pouch that you can use. So I showed that in uh, many uh, shows, uh, FIE, uh, Gulf Food, uh, uh, last year, uh, Gulf Food Manufacturing. So this year, we, we did the same thing, but through uh, high-protein yogurts called So Benefic to stay in the So uh, Unique uh, range, because that's that, uh, the marketing we, we did around this marketing project uh, uh, around concept to showcase ingredients. So last year it was so flexy because of the flexible uh, uses. And this year it's high protein uh, yogurts to showcase one of our ingredients that I said before, AP-Prot 60UL is a milk protein concentrate uh, at 60% with very specific properties. Why a high protein yogurt? Because of the HIE. It is the big show this year uh, for us. So we... Uh, high protein yogurts fit with the show because of the nutrition health uh, and healthy products so that's why of course our ingredients could be used in many many uh, other uh, applications like manufacturing uh, cheese industrial cheese but also um, in dairy products uh, in dairy desserts in bakery it could be used in many applications food applications or nutrition so we also developed the yogurt with only powders and water if one customer or one potential customer comes to see us and say, okay, uh, I'm interested in the yogurt, we as EPI ingredients can not produce the yogurt for you, but we can give you the recipe. It's a very simple recipe and uh, you don't need to have fresh milk. So in territories like uh, Saudi Arabia or all the EMEA uh, where they can have some fresh milk, so it it could be interesting for us to have a recipe with powder, and they mix with water, and they have a, a high-protein yoghurt.
0: And and what are the other ranges that you'll be promoting at HIE and Gulf Food?
3: We will also promote a specific uh, range of EMDI. It's uh, enzyme-modified dairy ingredients. It's like an uh, aroma. It's very specific because it's in paste. It's not a powder, it's in base. The product yeah, have to be used in a fresh process because it's in fresh past, it's a fresh product. We have two references. We launched two references uh, this year. One it's a milk concentrate and the other one is a cream concentrate. So if you are looking for a, a clean label, a natural aroma of milk or, or cream, uh, you can use this uh, EMDI.
0: Now it's time for our weekly look at the global dairy markets with INTL FC Stone's Charlie Highland
4: a bit of a roller coaster week in terms of pricing on the the dairy front uh, in Europe. Looking at butter, the fat side of of the equation, we started the week looking pretty negative. We were moving down quite a lot of sellers expecting pretty low prices. The GDT was the main thing people were looking out for this week. They they spread the price differential between New Zealand prices and European prices. The gap has got so wide that there was a worry that if the GDT was negative in butter, we would have seen uh, more products potentially coming in from New Zealand which would have weighed down the prices in Europe. Now the GT actually overperformed I think a lot of people's expectations and um, especially on the fat side which basically means that the the sell-off didn't continue and um, so we kind of hit a floor on Tuesday in terms of pricing at about 4,400 euros in quarter one and since then we've been gradually rising where Towards the end of the week here, we're now trading at €4,500, and it looks like it's going to trade a little bit higher throughout the day here. When we look at the protein sides of the equation and, and skim milk powder, we had a similar story. It, the start of the week looked like we were moving negative as well. We got down, getting close in quarter one, testing about €1,600, um, but we found a floor from there, and we've been gradually rising. One of the key things that people were looking out for on the skim side this week was the EU intervention tender sale and that's positively surprised people the numbers are just out this morning and over 26,000 tons have been sold um, at a price of 12.31, which was more volume than people expected and, and the market is so far as taking that as, as a bullish sign so we've now got people looking and saying that demand is quite strong on the skim milk powder side which is, is moving prices up slightly so we expect to end the week on uh, a positive note both in terms of butter and skim milk powder
0: thanks a lot charlie INTLFC Stone provides risk management and margin hedging programs and services, as well as OTC hedging tools and MA advisory services to the global dairy industry. And that's all we have time for for this week, so please join us again next week for another Dairy Dialogue on the World of Dairy.